0: Hi guys, welcome back to an all new episode from All About Sports, the podcast. Uh, today's episode, you guys have your regular co-host Rishab, Mazhar, and myself, Shabam. But today's episode is very, very special. We are joined by a special guest, Ananya. Hi, Ananya. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Hello, guys. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure being on this.
0: And uh, to all our viewers and listeners, a little bit about Ananya. She's in global partnership for the global sports business department at Jakuten um, in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, She did her master's in sports management at Columbia university. Uh, She's the founder of Mabridge, a sports information hub. Uh, runs her own sports podcast called Sports Biz Show, which we we'll link down in the description. So any um, anyone wants to um, have a look at that, you guys can please do so. She was selected as one of the 50 young sports makers at the Global Sports Week in Paris to represent India on a global stage. Like Ananya, it's an honor to have you. It sounds really cool about everything that you've achieved in sports and what you continue to do so. Uh, so, so right now you're working in Tokyo. You're working at uh, Rakuten. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Like, you got into sports, uh, management, you did, did that as your masters. So what was it growing up? Like, were you always interested in sports? Uh, how did you manage to understand this is what you, what you want to take up as a career? What was that motivation for you?
1: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, my journey in sports pretty much started, uh, playing sports myself. Um, even though there's no sort of, um, blueprint for you to get into sports, pick- by, by virtue of playing sports, you don't need to be an athlete necessarily, uh, you know, for everyone out there. But uh, I grew up playing sports. I was a multi-sport athlete growing up. I grew up in Delhi. Uh, used to see my brother and my father play all the time and basically fight for my chance uh, on, on the court, uh, which was unlikely for a girl to do. Um, but I was always interested in sports and no one ever stopped me from playing in general, um, so I took on to basketball, which was a spe- special sort of liking of mine at the time, and, you know, went on to uh, play for my state, and then uh, got into my undergrad SRCC in India because of basketball as well, played there, um, played with the team, had, had the best time, that's kind of how the interest in sports just expanded, and, you know, as you grow around in India playing sports, you see certain elements that are missing, and you want to basically uh, give yourself, empower yourself with the right tools and the right knowledge to make a difference and to fulfill that gap and and that void. And that's kind of how the jump to the business and the management side of sports happened. Um, so that's that's me in a nutshell. I applied to Columbia Sports Management Program, got in, uh, completed that, and then just sort of sort of started working in sports uh, with the hope to eventually at some point give back in a bigger way to the community back home.
0: So one thing that you mentioned is your time at Columbia, which I believe is a a two year program. Am I correct?
1: Yes. It's a two year program. Depending on how smart you are, you can complete it sooner or later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I like one, one feel that I get is a lot of kids in India nowadays are interested in sports management. They want to take it up as a career. And also they want to pursue it as a degree. So because you have been at Columbia, you've been there, done that, studied out there for two years, how was your experience out there in Columbia? Uh, And I, I would like you to answer this question thinking of a 21 year old or a 22 year old in mind who's perhaps wanting to pursue it. So how was your general experience out there? And do you like, how much do you think uh, the exposure that you got has helped uh, uh, make you like the sort of person that you are in the sports industry today?
1: Yeah, there's actually a lot to unpack in that question. I remember the time very profoundly when I was 21, 22, I actually went to pursue my master's at 21. So, um, it was obviously a very big turning point also develop you know in developmentally like when you're sort of in a new environment uh, away from home uh, dealing in in a completely in an environment basically you haven't exposed yourself to ever uh, i think those challenges help you grow and uh, if you can empower yourself with the right skill set that kind of is what makes the difference. Um, Very small things. I feel like anybody who's uh, at a very young age um, and starting out in their journey in sports management, just don't follow the herd. Uh, Don't have a sheep mentality in the sense that, you know, the program or any, even a company won't come and make you um, successful. You'll have to find your own pathway, Um, you know, whether that's finding the right tools uh finding the right internships i remember volunteering for almost every conference that happened in new york and this was me just going on google and typing next conference next week sports business sports marketing like typing like two keywords three keywords whatever popped up took the subway traveled to the travel to the conference or wrote them a cold email multiple times saying hey I'll volunteer, I'll do it for free. I'm starting out. I know nothing about the industry right now. Let me learn. Give me an opportunity to learn. I know everyone can't work for free, but these are just like little things you can do. You know, if you're spending one hour doing something completely useless, just utilize that time a little productively. Maybe you can write for free as well. So basically little things like that, uh, that kind of make the difference uh, for a young person, a 21 or 22 year old. And then you sort of build your resume, you build your CV, which you can then take to your first internship and then your second internship. And then from there, there take that to a full-time, you know, a company that you hopefully can hire you. One question, Ananya, I know
2: you worked at Madison Square Garden. You interned Mm -hmm. there and I've listened to your podcast where you spoke about it, where you did that interview with someone from your university, if I'm not wrong. I remember in that you mentioned that it was a very enlightening experience to see all these basketball players just passing by at Madison Square Garden. So firstly, I myself am a huge basketball fan. I myself have played for several years. So I could really feel that connect. And I, I, I felt like I wish I was there at that moment. So take us through a bit of that journey of uh, working at the Mecca of sports in the US. And also what was the decision behind you deciding to come back instead of trying to pursue something in the US itself?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, working at the garden was a dream. Um, I'm not going to, you know, uh, sugarcoat this, but it was it was difficult. Like the first time I applied to work as an intern at the garden, um, I got rejected. Um, so it wasn't, you know, that the first time I applied and I got in. It, I worked my, I, you know, I worked on my CV, I built my resume, uh, built my contacts, and then leveraged that um, everything together to then apply for another round at the garden. And then a couple of rounds later, I finally made the cut. Um, So I worked as an account management intern for the uninitiated. That's basically working with clients who sponsor uh, the games, who sponsor the property. So you'll see like, um, basically contractual assets of you know Chase Bank and and basically sponsors all around the garden. So that's kind of what an account management intern or associate would do. They manage those relationships with clients. And that was again a great first position to work, work in. Um, and by virtue of that, I obviously got to hang out uh, hang out a lot on the court. Uh, just to make sure everything is, you know, um, running smoothly, all the clients are happy, making taking them to the games, you know, um, bringing them back to the arena, uh, you know, sh- seeing them off and things of that nature. So I, I, by virtue of that, I saw a lot of players pass by crazy experience hadn't ever seen anybody seven feet tall uh, I don't even know if that's possible I mean you see them on TV but then you're like he can't be that tall right you know but they are that tall uh, probably taller uh, and hugely built so it was a little intimidating but uh, I survived uh, but overall yeah I think again at the at the internship as well don't like I would just give this advice is for people to not slack off like at every internship now from the garden I had to apply for a full-time job or get another internship so like the ball was always rolling and I think that were, those were the tougher challenges you know when you get to a place is hard um, but but what after that and no one's ever going to stop asking you that question I'm sure with you guys as well like what's next so those are the kind of challenges that come with topping up an internship or topping up a a, a gig that you get
3: definitely no Ananya, as uh, as mother said he's like the 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 baller on the podcast so at some point with all star week coming up at some point when the world opens up i think you'll have to do a 3 point contest or something of the sort
2: dunk contest i, it's I don't one. yeah
1: so <laughs> are you, are, Mazur, you are, Mazur, are you a 3 2. point shooter Mazar?
2: yes i was that was that was my bread and butter <laughs> so that's one thing i take pride in <laughs> nice nice I, i'm
1: yeah, I won't call myself a three-point expert, but I, I think I'm I'm better at drive-ins, but uh, we'll see. We'll have a one-on-one and we'll we'll work th- we'll work things out.
0: I will try yeah, I I a buzzer's advantages. I wasn't sure what position what position you played, but I figured I'd play. Okay, can the we, can we get back to talking in a language that I understand as well? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and no, I'm, I'm not much of a basketball person, so that's why. Right.
3: Ironically, he might be the tallest. Are you the tallest of? He is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're the tallest of, of amongst the uh, the four uh, the three of us on the call today for sure. Um, if but, you uh, were in
1: India, they'd say you're wasting your height. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like so tall, just play basketball. Like that's their one way to figure out who will be good or not. But yeah.
3: I know. I know. <laughs> no, and I was gonna say you you've worked. You've talked about you know both working, studying, or looking for opportunities in the sports industry and you know, in India, U S and now, you know, in Japan as well. I wanted to ask just broadly, what are some of the differences that you see culturally in terms of how people react to the sports industry, both in terms of types of opportunities, um, types of work, any broad cultural differences you see in terms of how, um, people interact, how the sports industry works across these countries for people who are looking for opportunities in India, looking to go outside India, what are some of the distinctions maybe that that you would draw on um, from your experiences?
1: Yeah, in, in general, I think there obviously are a lot of differences between all countries, um, you know, especially uh, Japan, which is super cultural. Um, you know, the world sort of uh, respects and talks about uh, bunko, which is culture in Japan. Um, and then on the other hand, you have uh, the U.S., which again is... Uh, the epitome of business and sports and and uh, management and sports and marketing and media uh, you know the madman world of new york and then you'll have uh, india which is a growing uh, nation for sports uh, you know developing economy and and in the sports side as well of course with like the advent of leagues we know how fast sports has become and how fast paced it's become um culturally there are a lot of differences in the sense that Um, I feel still on the development side in India, we're lacking a lot on the um, tech aspect of things where we aren't sort of deploying the right tools and strategies to necessarily pick out the right talent and put them on a pedestal um, or train them through the years. Um, So that strategic thinking and kind of giving it the long-term vision is maybe less in India compared to other countries. Like when I look at Japan, Uh, almost all companies here have a five-year plan. So, you know, every move that they make needs to account for five years, not just the next, not just the next two years, but five years. So that's what culturally differentiates it from anything else, not just in sports business, but you look at any business across any industry in Japan and it plays a role in sports as well. So any of the leagues that have picked up in Japan, like they've sort of within Asia have made a huge impact uh, through their leagues and through their work, right? And some of the world's biggest you see are Japanese companies right in the world of football and now of course we've, they've penetrated in basketball as well so that's the that's the Japanese and the Indian side difference um, but yeah I mean India's a land of potential youth is driving the nation so I there's more to be optimistic about uh, for India than any other country I feel I mean I can't speak to any a lot of countries but yeah when I speak to the countries I know of the US in general again uh, you know Like I said, I think things are pretty much um, they'll always keep developing. They'll always keep improving. That's for sure. That's a given. But it seems like there's a lot more opportunity to tap into in India uh, in terms of uncovering the next stage than the US in sports.
3: And I think Ananya also, I think from what, even a lot of the work that you do with your, with your podcast, I think it's untapping a lot of sports in India that are outside of cricket as well. Just looking at sports more broadly, that's a huge area of opportunity in India that hopefully will grow and there is a lot of room to grow. So everyone is probably, uh, all of us at least on this call are super excited for, um, for that.
2: Yeah. So just wanted to ask you, so it's really intriguing that you made it to Rakuten you know your entire journey so if you can just take us through how you managed to make it there and what did it take and obviously language would have been a huge barrier and again living all there by yourself so th- take us through that journey as well
1: yeah i don't know i don't know how i made it <laughs> um took a plane uh, no that's a bad joke please don't please don't put that in um i uh, basically That'll be a teaser
0: for the episode
1: oh sh- oh no i shouldn't have said that um, so I, know coming back to things that will actually help people listening to this, I think, uh, it, it obviously like any other fresh graduate, I did my master's and I was looking for a job, um, and I was applying it a lot of places. And one thing I would look back and do differently is I would strategize better. Again, it comes back to like, just planning ahead. Uh, even though doing is as important, I feel just taking some time to think and strategize as to what your key skills are and strengths are. Like, I say this a lot. I've said this before, so i at the risk of repeating myself, but like preparing a spot of yourself, your, you know, your strengths, your weaknesses, the opportunities that you can hold for yourself in the future, the trends that you see um, and what would not work out in your favor, if at all, like anything that you can predict, uh, of course. Um, So sort of, Preparing that blueprint for yourself, like treating yourself as an organization, as a company and preparing a blueprint for yourself, seeing what are your key skills. Like as a fresh graduate, firstly, also don't pressurize yourself that you'll know everything or you need to go to a company that's going to expect you to know everything. Um, there's going to be a lot of things that you're going to learn and your positions might change as well in the company, Um, right? So it's like, again, whatever you're suited for, like Mazar, like a basketball example, sorry, Shobham, but if you're, uh, you know, playing as a point guard, you know, you're most likely to stick to it. But if if you're, you're playing number one, right, and then if you have to become number two, if you have to sort of, you know, become a shooting guard at the same time or show up for your team, you have to call out shots, you can't always stick to that one position. So it's just about sort of maneuvering and putting the player in the position that they're most likely to win in.
3: Hey, are you like us and trying to make your own podcast but aren't really sure where to get started? Well, when we first began, we didn't really know how to get our podcast out there to the hundreds of different podcast platforms. That's where Anchor comes in. Anchor is your one-stop shop for all things podcasting from start to finish. It allows you to record and edit your podcast, and then when you're ready to publish, distributes it to a ton of podcasting platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Once you've posted your episode, Anchor tracks listening across platforms and graphs your performance across countries, age groups, and platforms. That's how we know that 4% of our listeners are in Hong Kong. If you're listening from Hong Kong right now, well, thank you. And Anchor is totally free. To get started, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm to get started. Now back to the pod.
1: So um, basically preparing, like practically preparing a blueprint for yourself and seeing what works out. And I wasn't necessarily stopping myself from just staying in the us i feel like maybe that's where people um, stick to the status quo i think if you've gone abroad try to explore other options as well if you've gone to a uk or gone to the us maybe there are other areas in the world that can be opened up for you not just that place you're in because maybe that's saturated in some ways Uh, maybe for you at that place at that time at that place is not the right opportunity for you. So don't be afraid to just move out. I mean, that's your one advantage as a young professional where you can explore um, what you're good at, different areas, different countries, different roles. 10 years down the line, that won't matter as much as the exploration part. So that's kind of what worked in the favor.
0: Talking about the role that oh, you mentioned awesome. that obviously um, you got to take up whatever opportunity you get, especially as a young graduate. So you got a chance to become uh, uh, like to work for global partnership. So can you explain a little bit more about what you do uh, and what does your role really entail?
1: Sure. So I, so global sports business is basically the sports business arm of Rakuten Sports associate more with, you know, the revenue and the business generation side of uh, Rakuten, which is an e-commerce company at its heart. Um, Started in 1997 in Tokyo um, and they're into, you know, 70 plus businesses across 30, 35 countries. Um, So sports business is one of those verticals. Uh, I personally work uh, under the global partnerships team. Um, and this team basically leads the activation side of the business. So there are uh, there's athletes who uh, whose IP rights we own. So across Japan and Southeast Asia. Uh, Recently signed a deal with an upcoming star in basketball um, in Japan. So uh, not just restricted to basketball, but of course, expanding business across all sports. So the partnership's arm is basically sort of servicing the sales aspect of the business um, as well as the client side of the business. Uh, with content generation and things of that nature. Uh, on the other hand, there's a lot of interesting content that Rakuten creates, uh, slightly away from the partnerships team, but there's been content on uh, Stephen Curry called The Rising. It's on YouTube. It's also on our Sports OTT uh, channel, which got a lot of content on uh, Andres Siniesta and a couple of other athletes. Um, so that's another kind of side to the business of Rakuten Sports, Global Sports Business Vertical. I so one
2: just- became happy.
1: He heard a name, he knew. I know,
2: I'm sure he was excited once
3: you saw the Barcelona. It's it's, it's it's The Rakuten, I, if I'm not mistaken, is still the jersey. I had to look
0: a picture up to confirm yeah. it's still the jersey
3: sponsor for, uh, for Basa. But, but yes. go
0: ahead, Manu, sorry. Yeah, so uh, Ananya, just a follow-up question now because you've been working in the industry in Japan and you have also been through that journey like being a young graduate, getting yourself a job. So in general, like for young graduates when they're looking for a job, what are the most uh, uh, like available jobs in the sports industry and what are the Key skills that you think young graduates, even after graduating, should perhaps continues continue to build on in order to land these jobs. So, would you would you would you have any insight on that?
1: Yeah, don't slack off. Japan
0: industry or any other industry that you like, any country doesn't have to be country specific.
1: Yeah, no, I'd say don't slack off. Like. Um, I was doing this in the initial phase of just like, you know, patting myself on the back saying, phew, I finally got a job. Like, let's just relax. I feel like that's the worst mistake one can do, you know, because the world moves on, they don't stop for you. Um, so, and, and your skills, like the industry is changing again, like you said, not just sports, but all industries are changing in general. And they're moving at such a fast pace, like how AI is going to take over, uh, you know, uh, the HR recruitment space or, or how performance analytics is sort of removing jobs for scouts. Um, so the whole atmosphere is changing. So you have to constantly upskill yourself. Um, also on not just on the, this is on the more hard skill side, right? B- depending on whatever you do, uh, but also on the soft skill side, never stop networking, Um, like if you still get an opportunity to, of course, not maybe, you know, after you get a job, you don't volunteer at a conference, but go and attend as many conferences as possible. There's so much going on now, obviously online, which is a little easier to, to attend. Um, but keep networking, keep reaching out to people, uh, keep networking with the contacts you've already built in the past as well. Um, and try to learn from, learn a little bit from everyone. And I feel like also focus a lot on actually consuming versus, you know, this mentality of just creating, I feel like creating is amazing, um, but also make sure that you match that up with consuming as much. And I feel like people don't do that enough, but uh, that's that's one thing that every young grad or every, any, anybody in general should do, especially in the sports space, because it's just like changing at the speed of light. That's really great uh, really great advice, Ananya. In
3: I, I want to also ask, you know, you're based in Japan right now, Olympics coming up right now, scheduled for July 23rd, um, if I'm not mistaken, um, what I I wanted to ask you, it's, it's obviously a unique year because of the pandemic.
1: Really? Was it? Yeah. I don't know if anyone knew. I don't know if anyone found out. (laughs) Uh, I think it was okay. (laughs) Normal. But I
3: wanted to ask in that context, I wonder if you're able to at all get a, get an understanding of, how people are feeling about it in Japan. Um, I think there's always some amount of complexity on whether big sporting events are good for the country that's hosting it or not. That's a an that's a issue to its own. But I want to generally get an idea from you, from people that you may talk to, is there the same buzz about the Olympics? How are people feeling about it? Are there any varying opinions just given the economic impacts of COVID? Um, or is it just the same? Because I know Beijing before the Olympics was an extremely high energy. I know London was extremely high energy. Rio as well. How, what is the scene like kind of in Japan leading up to the Olympics?
1: Honestly, the excitement levels um, aren't at the stage where you'd expect them to be for the Olympics. Um, I think because of uh, everything that's happened in the past year, um, it's, it's obvious, I think it's obviously killed energy a little bit for people and, and, Also, there's so much uncertainty that people don't know whether they they have to go full out or what to expect. I mean, we don't know if the Olympics are happening. We aren't certain about it. Um, So I I think from an expectancy standpoint, people just don't know what's coming their way and whether it's coming at all. So I feel in that sense, the energy levels aren't at the optimum. Uh, But we're in the hopes that as weeks pass by, um, and as we get closer to July, and uh, hopefully borders start opening to let the contingents in and the teams in, things will start changing. It's going to be an automatic shift. So you know, there's no, and it's going to be. Well, Sakura is going to end at the time, but it's still going to be beautiful. At, you know, uh, the atmosphere and and the buzz around the Olympics is always great. Um, it's the biggest event people look forward to. So I certainly hope that it takes place because of all the effort and the work that's gone into it by the team here, um, by authorities, world over, especially Japan's authority. Um, so I really hope personally that it happens and I think the wave will change, uh, accordingly. No, I, that definitely
3: makes sense. I, the second question I had from you is, you know, you talked a little bit about some of the sporting talent that's coming out of, especially from a basketball perspective, that's coming out of, uh, coming out of Asia. Um, I a, wanted you know to uh, you know see, get see if we could get some names so that we can pretend like we were scouting these guys the entire time. So like if they ever become famous, we'd be like, yeah, yeah, we knew about this dude from way back. Yeah, and um, just get
1: some royalty. Just put this video and say like, you know, as someone probably watched this and then scouted you. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just you know, <laughs>
3: exactly. so
1: like good thinking, high thinking. Why not?
3: That's was, but but I want to ask you know you're you're a, you're you're a baller. How is you know how you probably know people in India as well who are potentially pursuing basketball. Um, how do you think the, the opinion of basketball has changed in India? You know, we had Satnam Singh getting drafted um, into the NBA. Are there more opportunities for basketball specifically in India? I know you're talking a little bit more about broadly in Asia. Now we've seen a couple of um, Japanese players as well making into the NBA, doing pretty well for Toronto and Washington. Um, is it growing in India as well? Do you think kind of similarly to how it's growing in Southeast Asia? Demand, I think, is. I'm not sure playing has seen the same growth as when you were, when you were playing?
1: I think there's, um, small changes that have happened. So I remember from my time traveling for at least national level games, um, you know, playing for the state, uh, the conditions at which they obviously had players or the routine or, you know, the scheduling around that has become better, uh, to a certain extent, but outside of that, um. You know, things are yet to change to a level where we see more Satnam Singhs coming out of India. Um, on the women's side, though, there, there can be more scope and more that can be done. I think just the level of competition um, and the gap can be bridged faster. Um, you know, at where women stand uh, on a, you know, when you compare them physically and when you compare them um, skill-wise, uh, there's a lot of opportunities on the women's basketball side in India. In fact, a lot of people have been selected for, to play at the highest division of the NCAA, um, women's players. So in that sense, I, compl- I, I, I personally back women's sports, women's basketball specifically uh, in India. Uh, on the men's side, I think we need a more cultural shift. Of course, like we're interested in watching basketball, but are we watching Indian basketball at all? I mean, we're all always consuming the NBA, right? Even in India, and we're talking about the NBA, and we talk about the players, and we know that we know their stats at the back of our hands. Players who do watch it, spiritual uh, like regularly, religiously. But um, I don't know if we're ready to adopt, um, or even like small example, right? Um, we had like let's just talk purely India basketball, um, starting with um, college basketball, right? Which is sort of the next step to a lot of where these national level players go to um, or they'll go to these sports academies uh, in India. You used to see back in the day, maybe 20 years back, a Hindu versus Stephens had crowds full, right? Like stadiums full, packed, people watching like two college, bas- co- college uh, colleges compete against each other. Um, you don't even see a few people come and attend games unless of course it's sort of, you know, um, blasted across social media and then there's some sort of attraction within the event and then you'll have people come and watch it but it's it's a rarity so um, you know small things like that so unless the culture kind of changes from that grassroot uh, I don't think having as many academies or things like that would make a genuine difference um, to sort of change Indian basketball, you know, we'll have one-off players for sure because again, talent cannot be missed. So I'm sure NBA or the world's biggest leagues will scout them and take them. But again, like, do we need one off and is that enough?
3: Absolutely. I'm guilty of that too. Watching a lot of NBA but maybe not promoting our Indian talent. I, I can admit yeah. I'm guilty yeah. of
0: that too. Yep. I absolutely agree with what you just said on right now the thing with India is we need a lot more development on the grassroots level. And with that, there has to also be a lot of support from like the local community to encourage these athletes and to like motivate them, support them and, you know, like go for their games, cheer them instead of just following everything that's happening in the West. Uh, But yeah, all in all, I would like to say, uh, thank you so much for everything that you shared with us. Uh, it, It feels so nice to talk to someone who's such a sports enthusiast, who's Academically studied sports is now working the sports industry for all your insights that you shared, the advice that you've given to everyone, all our viewers and listeners. So, thank you so much for taking time out and joining us. And it was absolutely lovely to hear your story.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I hope uh, anything that I shared can be uh, leveraged um, and can be sort of helpful for anybody listening. And I wish you all the best as well. You're doing a great job with the podcast. So, good luck with that. Thank, thank you, you. Thanks so much. Thanks.